book of Proverbs in chapter 31. This is a prophecy uh, of King Lemuel's mother. Now, Lemuel is another name for King Solomon. Okay? According to the Jewish Talmud, uh, some people think this might be a different individual, but I believe this is King Solomon. And uh, so the Bible says the words are prophecy that his mother taught him. So it is a prophetic word. It's not just a proverb, a prophetic word. So it's an end time message uh, for end time women. Okay, so the words of Kim Lemuel, the prophecy that his mother taught him. My, what my son and what the son of my womb and what the son of my vow? Give not thy strength unto women nor the thy ways to that which destroyeth kings. Okay, let me just pray. Father, we come before you right now. We ask your blessing to be upon the reading of your holy word and we give you all the glory, honor, and praise for it. In Jesus' name we pray and everybody said amen. amen. You may be seated in the name of the Lord. Okay, so we're going to be looking tonight at the uh, virtuous woman or the noble woman. But before we get into that, the mother of Lemuel, we'll just say Solomon, is giving him a prophecy about the other kind of woman that is not a noble woman, that is not a virtuous woman. So go over to Proverbs chapter 9. Now, what we have here in the book of Proverbs, we have the teaching of wisdom, lady wisdom. Wisdom is personified as a woman in the book of Proverbs. And folly or foolishness is personified as a woman as well. So what we have in the Proverbs is that you have literal women, you know, physical literal women that are foolish women. And... Uh, they're basically the kind of woman that if you marry that woman, she is loud-mouthed, she's always quarrelsome, she's always starting to fight, there's always problems with her, okay? Uh, then there's the noble woman, and she's a virtuous woman, and we'll talk about her tonight. Two literal women, two kinds of women that you can marry if you're a man, okay? Now... Not only do these women, not only are they only literal women, but they represent, in the book of Proverbs, they represent. So the foolish woman represents idolatry. The foolish woman represents false religion. The foolish woman represents a woman with philosophy and ideology that will lead you away from the truth of God. Okay? Lady Wisdom on the other hand, represents the true church of Jesus Christ. It also represents the Lord Himself. Okay? So they're closely connected. So you have false religion personified by this foolish woman. You have truth and true service and true worship of God personified by Lady Wisdom. So there are deeper levels of understanding of the book of Proverbs. You have the literal, then you have the spiritual about which they teach. Does everybody understand that? Now, uh, in the book of Proverbs in chapter 8 and 9, we have those two women talked about, Lady Wisdom and Lady Folly. 
But let's look at Lady Folly because this is the one that King Lumiel's uh, mother speaks about first. So Proverbs chapter 9 beginning there with verse 13. Okay. Okay, it says, A foolish woman, listen, what it says, is clamorous. She's simple and knoweth nothing. Now what is that woman? A foolish woman is clamorous. It means she's loud-mouthed. She's loud, very loud-mouthed, very obnoxious, okay? Uh, very quarrelsome. That's the kind of woman Lady Folly is. The Bible tells us where she sits, she sits at the door of her house on the seat in the high places of the city. So this quarrelsome, loud-mouthed woman is basically in the Bible, in your Bible, is seen as a prostitute. And she's sitting in the high places of the city. She's inviting simple men that pass by her to come into her house and have relationships with her. Okay? So she is, the, the lady of folly is the prostitute, the loud-mouthed, quarrelsome woman, okay? As I said, though, she represents false doctrine. So religious systems, women that sit in their high places that call you away from the truth of God, away from holiness, away from the true worship of the living God. To depart from God means to be in a relationship with this woman. Okay, and to sit at her table and to eat with her. So you have the literal prostitute, but you have the spiritual prostitute. Revelation chapter 17, the mother of harlots that sits upon the scarlet colored beast. Okay, either one of them, the literal prostitute or the spiritual prostitute will cause you or seek to get you to be unfaithful to the bridegroom. Okay, so she's sitting in the, at the door of her house on a seat in high places of the city to call passengers who go right on their way. She's calling to them to get them to come into her. In verse 16, Whoso is simple, let him turn in hither. And that means a person who lacks understanding. Anybody that has a sexual relationship with a woman outside of marriage lacks understanding. Do you understand that? Okay. So when we see this person, then this young man that goes by this woman, she's sitting in her chair outside the house and she's crying out for them very loud, you know, crying out, trying to seduce them. It's the simple man or the one that lacks understanding, the immature man that goes in and has a relationship with this kind of a woman, okay? Because we'll find out where that will lead you ultimately. Okay, verse 16, Whoso is simple, let him turn in hither, and as for him that wanteth understanding... She said to him, Stolen waters are sweet, and bread eaten in secret is pleasant. Well, that's not true. That's what she says, but that's not true. That stolen waters are sweet, and bread eaten in secret is pleasant. It's just that old picture of what you, you know, you can't have, you won't. Well, she's saying, Well, you can't have it. And it's sweet, so come and be with me, and it'll be really, really good. But she's lying. She's deceptive. Okay? Verse, verse 18. But he knoweth not that the dead are there, and that her guests are in the depths of hell. So if you go into the literal prostitute, you lack understanding. 
you go in there and you think you're going to have a good time. You think you're going to enjoy yourself. That's what she's promising you. A good time. But the Bible tells us when you walk through that door, you need to understand that ever, you know, all around you there are skeletons. And all around you in that, that kind of relationship, you're going to see death everywhere. Now, if, if you walked into a house of a woman like this, and you were a young man that lacked understanding, and you saw dead people all over the place in that house, what would you do? I think you'd probably turn around and get out of there. So that's what God says you're walking into. Okay, when you enter a relationship, an immoral relationship with a woman that you're not married to, that's what you're walking into. You're walking into a house that's surrounded by death, and the Bible tells you ultimately that her guests are in the depths of where? Hell. Now, having said that, this applies to the literal prostitute, the loudmouth literal prostitute. It also speaks of somebody who departs from the Lord. Somebody who departs from the truth of God. Now, as I have told you before, that, you know, 82%, this is a, a true statistic, 82% of people in America desire an intimate relationship with God. Did you know that? 82%. They want a relationship with God. So they're looking. America is one of the most religious um, countries in the world. I said religious countries. I didn't say Christian. I said religious countries in the world. And so you have to be careful that when you get involved with people, people that have departed from the truth of God. Notice what I said. If you talk to somebody out there in America, have you departed from God? They'll say, no, we haven't departed from God. Okay? Most people don't depart from God completely and totally. What they do is they depart from the truth of God. So this woman, Lady Foolishness, is the woman that's there crying out to get you to depart from the truth of God, from righteousness, from holiness, amen, from the commandments of God. And it says, if, if this spirit that is in this woman, if it's successful in getting you because you lack understanding, you're simple-minded, you lack the ability to discern that when you walk into her house because she has departed from God, you're walking into the house of people that are surrounded by death. If you're not careful, you're going to be joining the congregation of the dead. As the Bible says, those that forsake the Lord join the congregation of the dead. So remember, this woman is not just talking about a literal prostitute. It is talking about anybody that's religious that seeks to get you to depart from the truth of God or the ways of God as recorded in the Word of God. Does everybody understand that? So it's very important for you to understand that because we're in a spiritual battle right now. And there's 35,000, do you hear me? 35,000 denominations in the world. Now that's a lot. I didn't say 3,500. I said 35,000 denominations in the world. And they all can't be right. But they wouldn't be gathered if they didn't think they were. So you have to have a lot of discernment 
to make sure you're not walking into those houses that are going to seek to take you away from the truth. I didn't say God. The truth of God. Now you're really, you're really going away from God. But it's about the truth of God. It's about wisdom. It's about the Word of God. It's about walking and living for the Lord. And if you get around the wrong people, you're getting around the house of the dead. You're getting around people that say you don't need the commandments of God. And these are exactly what the prostitutes of Baal, who Lady Folly was a picture of, did. Baal worship was a worship system that says you do not need any commands. So any church system that says to you, don't worry about the commands of God, don't worry about holiness, you don't need to worry about all of that, is a part of a, syn a system of syncretism, which means a mixture of Baal worship and Christianity. Okay? Because that's what Baal worship was all about. That's why there was prostitution. There was women prostitutes that brought men into that false religion of Baal worship to give them sexual pleasure and tell them, don't worry about the commandments of God. And so that's the battle right now, okay, for the minds of people, is the commandments of God and the truth of God. So if you listen to that spirit then, it's very powerful, man. It'll get a hold of your mind. It'll mess up your thinking. Uh, you won't realize really what you're up against unless you have wisdom. And you're going to fall right, walk right into that house and be surrounded by death. But yet, she's going to make it look pretty. I mean, she's going to make her bed, man. She's going to perfume her bed. She's going to talk good. She's going to talk sweet. She's going to smell good. Her bed's going to smell good. And I'm talking about physically and spiritually. But it's all about death in the end. It will destroy your life. Destroy a relationship with God, and ultimately it can lead you to hell. So you have to be extremely careful to understand uh, what we're talking about is the way of worship. Now, this is what Lemuel is receiving prophetic word from, okay, his mother about, is do not allow yourself to be in a relationship with that kind of woman physically or spiritually. The problem with Solomon is that Solomon didn't listen. And he married 700 wives and had 300 concubines and they turned, they turned the heart of Solomon away from his God. They turned him away from the truth of God. And that's what that woman will do. She's a seductive spirit and she will turn you away from the ways of God. Do you understand? Right? You with me here? He didn't listen. I think a wise man like Solomon, he wouldn't give in to that, but he did. Because it's a very powerful spirit. Okay? So he married these women, and then they turned his heart into idolatry. So that's what we're talking about here. Now, you have to have, let me say this, I'm going to say this slowly so you, you can understand. You have to have an ecclesial identity. Let me say that again. You have to have an ecclesial identity. Now, the word church comes from the word ecclesia. ecclesia. You have to have an ecclesia identity. Your ecclesia identity is your church. 
And so what is your identity tonight? You have one. It's who you worship with. It's who you pray with. And thirdly, it's who you're committed to. Okay? Uh, Dr. Goheen uh, has a, a, a course on the missional church, the church in this modern age. And he talks about ecclesial identity, so you'll know where I'm getting that from. It is where you worship, where you pray, and who you're committed to. So tonight, ask yourself that question. Where do I worship? Where do I pray? And who am I committed to? And that will tell you if you're sitting in the house of Lady Foolishness or you're sitting in the house of Lady Wisdom. Amen? You will, you will be sitting with somebody and you will be dining with somebody. You will be in fellowship with somebody. And that will be your identity. Okay, so you have to make up your mind if it's with Lady Wisdom or Lady Folly you, as to which table you're going to sit at, pray with, worship with, and be committed to. You cannot have it both ways. You've got to make up your mind. You're either going in the seven-pillared seven palace of Lady Wisdom and feed there on what she has, or you're going to go into the house of Lady Folly and sit there and eat what she has. And if you eat what she has, it'll lead you into death and destruction. So you have to decide tonight, not tomorrow, where your commitment is, where your prayer is, and where your worship is, and get in that house. Now, you say, well, I'm just not going to make a commitment to anything. Then you've already made a commitment. And you know the commitment? The commitment's to Lady Foolie. And I call her Foolie. You have made a commitment. Because not to make a commitment to Lady Wisdom is to make a commitment to Lady Foolishness. Ooh, now, the Holy Ghost is sitting on me right now. So I'm going to tell you this. You have, to be, you have to understand that you live in a world today that the whole system is in Lady Foolishness' house. And I'm talking about education. I'm talking about advertisement. I'm talking about politics. I'm talking about religion. The world system as a whole is, is in Lady Foolishness' house. And that system is constantly against the truth of the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. You with me here today? The cosmetic industry, that's Lady Foolishness. It is a system that is against the gospel of Jesus Christ. And so I'm not saying don't go into the education. I'm not saying don't go to college. I'm not saying those things. But I'm going to tell you, when you go there, you better know the mindset of those people are not to promote Christianity. It is a philosophy and ideology that is against the Christ of God that you serve. You've got to know that. Okay? So we are in a great battle in this hour in which we live. Okay, and I, I won't get into other things I could talk about, but anyway, so you'll understand. But you have to have an ecclesial identity. That means the place where you pray, the place where you worship, and the place you're committed to. And you can't have it both ways. You can't have it over in Lady Foolish's house 
and then they come here to the church here, and I'll make this church Lady Wisdom's house and say, hey, that's what I want to be a part of. You can't do it. Okay? You have to make up your mind, you know? So that's the problem the prophets dealt with in the Old Testament. Now, I'm not going to teach you that tonight. don't know a lot about that, to be honest with you. I don't really know how to parallel it. But I think that's interesting to bring it out to you. There's harmony, I can say at least, in this chapter. Okay? Verse 10, then. Who can find a virtuous woman for her price is far above rubies? Virtuous woman, noble. A noble woman. Say a noble woman. Virtuous woman. The Hebrew word, ha'il, H-A-Y-I-L, with a C in front of it though. You pronounce it, ha'il. Okay? A virtuous woman or a noble woman. Now many of you have read this and we've preached this before, but I've never told you this. That what you see in this woman is a woman that is a soldier. She is a military woman. She is strong. She is powerful. She is a woman, a, a woman of warfare. Okay? So that when we see here this word, in fact, the word noble, chayil, literally me is connected to military. So first of all, ladies, I want you to know that you are, if you're a woman of God, you are a woman that is a soldier. That's the way God looks at you, as a soldier. You are in a battle. You are in a war. You are in a fight. Does everybody understand what I'm telling you? So this, from 10 to 31, is going to lay out a picture of a woman, but she's not just a woman. She is a soldier. She is a warrior. Okay? Amen. Say praise the Lord. So who can find this noble woman, this this woman that's like a military woman, like a fighter, a virtuous woman? Who can find one? She's fairer than her price is far above what? Rubies. She is rare. See, she's not like Lady Folly. There's a lot of foolish, quarrelsome, loudmouth, prostitute-like women in the world. But there are very few women of God. Now, you cannot be a noble woman, hallelujah, or a soldier like the Bible's talking about here without being a woman of God. So let's go and prove that to you. In verse 30, favor is deceitful and beauty is vain, but a woman that feareth the Lord, she shall be praised. So tonight, when I talk to you about this noble woman, this, this woman who is a spiritual warrior, okay? She is a woman of God. She lives for the Lord. And that puts a rarity on her, as the Bible said, she's more rare than rubies. Because there are very few real, separated, dedicated, holy Women of God. Amen? Very rare. And those women of God, like this Bible is going to show you tonight, are soldiers. They are spiritual warriors, friend. Say praise God. So they are unique. They are rare. 
according to the scripture. Now, the Bible goes on to say in verse 11, something about the husband. The heart of her husband. Now, the word husband the Latin, comes from the Latin. It means to be a manager of the house. So her husband, the one that she has, that she's married to, is the manager of the house. But he can trust her. His heart, as the Bible says here, doth safely trust in her. So the husband of this kind of woman, he don't have to stand around or sit around worrying about what she's up to, where she's going, what she's doing. He doesn't, doesn't have to sit around worried about if she's going to be faithful to him or not. He doesn't sit around wondering if this woman is going to manage his house for him. He knows that to leave the house with her means that it's going to be managed well. He don't have to go away, get in his car and go, you know, drive off to work and sit there and worry the whole time. Wonder what my wife's going to do today. Is there going to be anything left of the house when I get back? You with me here? He has a confidence in her. His his heart trusts in her. Everybody with me here today? Say praise God. Amen. So this woman of God, this warrior, this soldier, is is a kind of woman that manages the house and manages it well. He's the ultimate manager, but he's got to leave it in her as a sort of a steward, you know, to take care of it while he's out there, you know, doing what he's got to do, his duties. Right? Now, if you as a woman of God, a soldier, a faithful woman of God, if you're at home taking care of the house, say praise the Lord. See, the Bible teaches if you're a woman of God, you're a keeper of the house. If you're a woman of God, the Bible says you'll stay in your place. Amen. That doesn't mean they're going to lock the doors on you and and put you in a closet somewhere and you can't go out in public without your husband. This isn't Islam. Okay? In Islam, they put you in the house. You don't come out of here without your husband, man. You know what I'm saying? We're not talking about that. But the Bible is very clear that you will stay. You will stay in your place. You will manage the house. Hallelujah. So when your husband goes off and does the duties that he's supposed to do, he's not going to worry about anything. He can go out there and get done what he needs to get done. Hallelujah. Now, say, pray, say, rare, rare. It's rare to have that kind of woman in the house. The verse, verse goes on and says this, so that he shall have no need of what? Spoil. Now, what we have is we have a woman of God, number one, but we have number two, a, a, a man of God. With me here? A woman of God and a man of God. So they're walking in agreement. Come on, don't go to sleep on me. I'm not going to keep you that long tonight. I need you to pay attention. In this passage, we have a believing man, a man of God, and a woman of God. And they're walking in agreement, in spiritual agreement. If you're not walking in spiritual agreement, we got a problem. We have a breakdown. Do you understand what I'm telling you? Okay? So what we have is you've got a man of God 
He trusts that woman of God to manage the house. She's a warrior. She's a soldier. And the Bible says he will not experience what? He'll have no need of spoil. Now look at what Deuteronomy says about this warring woman. Deuteronomy, and it's not specifically about the woman, but Deuteronomy 32. Please turn there. In verse 30, Deuteronomy 32, 30, look. How should one chase a thousand and two put ten thousand to flight? Except the rock had sold them and the Lord had shut them up. Now God's will is that God be the rock in your life. Listen, listen, listen. God wants to be the rock in your life as a man and as a woman of God. He's your rock. And if He is your rock, that means that one can send a thousand to flight. Listen. And two can send 10,000 to flight. Notice it doesn't say one can send 1,000 and two can send 2,000. The, the Bible says one will send 1,000. Two will send 10,000. That means you get two people. You get a man of God and a woman of God walking in the Spirit. They are walking in agreement spiritually. You have ten times the power. Not twice the power or twice the faith, but ten times the power. So if a thousand comes against your house, you got one faithful one in the house, a woman of God, that woman of God can send a thousand away. But if you have a faithful man in that house, he can, they can, together can send ten times more Woo, away. Hallelujah. But they have to be walking in spiritual agreement. There cannot be a, a breakdown spiritually in the house. Because if there's a breakdown spiritually in the house, if the man's walking with God, all he can send away is a thousand. If the woman alone is walking with God, all she can send away is a thousand. But you took, put two people that walk with God in the spirit... They're on the same page with the same purpose in life. They can send ten times the amount away. Ten times the power and ten times the faith when you've got the man of God and the woman of God. Say praise the Lord. So if I have to explain this to you tonight, that I'm not just talking about a believing woman. I'm talking about a believing man. Right? So the man has to be walking with God the way he should be. He should be the spiritual head of his house. And he should be the kind of man that's in agreement with his wife spiritually. Praise the Lord. And if you got that going on, you are blessed. Ten times the power and ten times the faith. Not twice as much. When you get married to a woman of God and a man of God, you don't have just twice as much power. You got ten times the power. You got ten times the faith. Say praise the Lord. Now the problem we have today is we've got some men walking around demanding respect, but they don't deserve it. Now if I had time, I'd go and talk to you about the commandments of the Lord because basically the book of Proverbs is an explanation of the Ten Commandments. You understand? When it talks about honoring your father and your mother, that type of situation... That scripture also implies that the parents are walking in a way that they deserve to be respected. 
So if you're a man, you can't just go to put your foot down and say, you respect me. I'm not telling you disrespect him, but I'm telling you he's asking you to do something that you can't do until he gets himself straightened out. Say praise the Lord. See, that man, that man of God and that woman of God should walk in such a way that they're worthy of what God says. Okay? So if you're a woman of God and you're not married to a man of God, well, you're the spiritual leader of the house. And you have to take authority over that, that, those, that enemies that come and have a thousand fall at your feet. But if somehow your husband can get in this fight and stop fighting you, your husband gets side by side with you and be in agreement with you, amen, you, you know, you're the manager. You're the one that takes care of business. But where is he? He's supposed to be. I told you this wasn't just for women tonight. He's supposed to be in the battle. He's supposed to be helping you fight. He's supposed to be helping you send the enemy away. He shouldn't be captured by lady, the lady of the night. He shouldn't be captured by the hornet. He shouldn't be captured by the world. He should be captured by God and God's spirit. He should be walking in anointed. He should be walking in the truth of God Almighty. And when you get two people walking, as Amos chapter 3 says, how can two walk together except they be agreed? When you get them walking in spiritual agreement, you're going to see powerful things happen in the spirit. Say praise the Lord. No spoil will come to that house because she's a warrior and she's married to a warrior. That means the order that should be in that house is there. He's the spiritual leader. He's doing what he's supposed to do. She is with him. Are you here today? And she is, listen, she's helping him fight every day. You might not have a job outside of your house. Are y'all here? The Bible says, what are we supposed to do? Work six days, labor six days, and the seventh day we rest. That doesn't mean you have to be uh, have an occupation. That doesn't mean you have to go to a job. It says labor. What that means is some of you ladies, you are fulfilling that command because you don't just labor six days a week. Some of you labor seven days a week. So you fulfill the scripture. doesn't mean you have a job. It means you're serving God in your capacity, in your role. Say praise the Lord. And so what we have here then is a family that is what is supposed to be in God. The woman is in, its, in her place and the man is in his place. And you have powerful faith and powerful victory in the house as a result of that. No spoil will come. So the man goes off to work. Okay, in most cases, if we're talking about a married couple here, the man goes off to work. When he goes off to work, he leaves his wife at the house in charge to take care of the business of the house, to take care of the children, to take care of the needs that are there in that house, right? And help him fight so he can go out there and fulfill his responsibility and his duty. And the Bible will go on to say something about this militant woman is that when she is where she's supposed to be, that man sets in the gates of the city. That means he is a leader in the community. And the only reason why he can be a leader in the community is because she is taking care of business at the house. 
But when he goes out there in the community, he goes to that workplace. Ladies and women of God, I'm telling you, soldiers of God, women of God, you need to understand that you are at war with your husband. You're still warring with him. You're still, you're praying for him. You're supporting him. Hallelujah. You're encouraging him. You're complimenting him. You're a homemaker, not a homebreaker. When he leaves the house, he's not worried about what he's coming back to. When he leaves the house, he's not concerned about coming back home. Because when he comes back home, he should have a woman of God that fears God. That's not going to quarrel with him and fuss with him and fight with him all the time. But somebody that's taking care of business at the house. And when he gets there in that house, he says, this is a homemaker, not a homebreaker. You have to understand. You have to understand that a woman will exalt you or a woman will destroy you. That's why you have got to make sure that you marry a woman of God. Hallelujah. Because you can be destroyed by her or you can be exalted by her. That means go higher and higher and higher. Say praise the Lord. Everybody get in this. Don't look at me like you don't understand. The book of Genesis talks about when a man, see you go through the Bible and what we have in the book of Proverbs is a child's relationship with the parents. And the parents are telling the child what to do. Giving them commands and telling them how to live and, and disciplining and correcting their lives, right? But what happens when that child grows up? They end up leaving the family that the world, that the world of the family. They're no longer in the world of the family. They're no longer in the world. Listen, they're no longer in the world that the parents create. When you walk out of that house and you say, I do to your wife, and your wife says, I do to you, you know, are no longer in the world of your mother and your father. Husband, you are now in the world of your wife. What I mean by that, she's going to create a totally different world for you. Everybody awake? If she's a woman of God, she's going to build one that's going to help you and encourage you and strengthen you and help you fulfill the work of God in your life. If she's not, she's going to tear you down and destroy you. So you've got to make sure that you're marrying the right one. Because when you say, I do to her, you're joining the world that she will create. You with me? You're no longer a part of the world that your parents create. So the book of Proverbs is laid out that way. It's our obedience to our parents first. But now at the end of the book of Proverbs, it's no longer obedience to your parents. It's obedience to your wife. Oh, I mean, well, you know. I was hoping you'd catch that. You with me here? What I'm trying to say to you is that once you get married, the Bible says you leave your mother and your father and you cleave to your wife. That means they no longer have authority over you. They no longer, as parents, tell you what to do. You are no longer subject to your parents. Are you hearing what I'm saying? You can, if they want to give you advice... You can say, thank you for the advice, Daddy. I appreciate it. Thank you for the advice, Mama. 
I appreciate it. Don't get mean spirited, but you don't have to obey them anymore. Because the Bible said you left, you forsook them, and now you're with your spouse, and they're creating a different home for you. Are y'all here today? Say praise God. We got to see, you got people today always trying to meddle and mingling. Well, you know, the mom and the dad want to tell the new couple how to run and control their life. No, you got problems if you do that. And it's okay for you to give advice, helpful advice. But once they get married, they don't have to obey it. Hallelujah. Because they're now in a different world that's created by a different person. It's no longer mom and daddy. It's a marital relationship. That's why we're coming into this part of the book of Proverbs. To show you how important a godly woman is. Because she is creating the atmosphere of her home. She's creating a world in which her husband comes and is a part of. Somebody said praise the Lord. So you're either destroying him tonight. Or you're making him stronger. You're creating in him middle confusion and middle battle and sometimes spiritual heaviness if you're not right with God. That's why it's important for you to be a soldier woman of God, to be noble, to be a warrior for God. So that when he goes off, off to the, you know, community, he doesn't have to worry about what in the world is going on at home. That's my soldier wife. There's not going to be any, anything coming in here to spoil my house, mess my house up. Are y'all hey, Hallelujah! I talked to a couple today, you know, and I'm not going to get into details too much, but they, this man's going to go and take a job somewhere. And, and I told the wife, I said, well, you, you're going to take this job. He's going to take this job, but you're a warrior. You're going to stay home. You're a woman of God. I said, you're a woman of God. And you're going to stay home and you're going to manage the house and you're going to do it well. So he can go off and do what he's got to do. Amen? And I said, you need to understand that you are in warfare. And you should be in warfare over this. You should be concerned that his heart isn't taken away by consumerism. You should be concerned that his heart is not taken away by this world. You should be concerned. But understand, he's got to go into that world and he's got to fight that battle to bring home the bread to your table. That means you've got to be prayer, prayed up. You've got to be praying for him. And when he comes home, you need to be a homemaker, not a homebreaker. When he comes home, he, want, he should want to come home. When he comes home, you need to make yourself attractive. Somebody said, praise the Lord. You are in a battle, lady. Woman of God, you're in a battle. You're in a war. This man should also be walking, thank you, brother, with God the way he should be walking with God. But the point is, is that you're in battle too. He might be out there at the workplace, but you're still laboring. You're taking care of the kids. You're praying over them. Some of you are teaching them homeschool. Some of, them, some of you are teaching, helping do homework. Some taking care of your house. You're cooking food to eat. Just a lot of responsibility on the woman of God. Amen. That's why you have, and this is an aspect of this I've never told you about. This is why the Bible in these passages depicts her as a warrior. She is a soldier. 
Because she's got to learn she's got to fight. She's got to fight for holiness. She's got to fight for the things of God. She's got to fight for godliness. She can't let consumerism get her. Which means, which means this. It's not just the buying of goods. It means to be consumed. To live a life where you are consumed by everything. Your marriage is consumed. You're consumed. A lot of things consumed. Oh, we are. We're consumers, man. We even come to the house of God sometime and we consume worship. Because we come to the house of God with the wrong reason. See, in America, we have become, we got in this mindset of consumer, consumer mentality. That means we pay a preacher for religious service so that we can come to the house of God and experience religious or receive religious goods. And that is not the purpose of the church of the living God. The purpose of the church is not to have a consumer mentality where we pay the preacher so we can come and experience our religious goods. A true church that's on fire, that's growing, is a church that's not receiving all the time. It's a church that's giving. What can I do to give? How can I give to help my brother and help my sister? What can I do to help the world? I didn't come up in here tonight to find out what I was going to get. I came up here tonight to find out what I could give. And so, woman of God, you got to fight that spirit of consumerism, consumption, consuming everything, man, consuming the bank account, consuming, consuming your children, consuming everything, even consuming worship when you come to church. In the sense, I'm a consumer. What is it doing for me? We can get in that mentality, man. Say praise God. So you have to be a warrior in this hour. That that, that spirit don't get a hold of your husband. And that spirit doesn't get a hold of you. No spoil in this house. This house belongs to God. No division. How y'all hear me today when it comes to things of God, the truth of God. I might have a disagreement, and you might have a disagreement on certain things. I'm not saying you can't. You should. Right? You should have disagreements. And that's the truth. It'll make your relationship stronger. But when it comes to the things of God, where you, your ecclesial identity, where you worship, where you pray, and what you're committed to, there should be no division. No debate. You should be on the same page 100%. And if he leaves, goodbye, honey. If she leaves, goodbye, honey. But we're still here because we know what God has called us to do. We're not about to get out of the will of God. So there's no spoil in this woman of God's house because the man of God's where he's supposed to be. And he leaves, leaves the house in charge, and he's the manager, ultimate manager. He trusts her. His heart's with her. I can trust that woman. I'm not going to go back and everything I have destroyed, consumed, devoured. No, man, I got a good wife. <laughs> Say praise God. Amen. Not a wholesome, fussing, fighting kind of a woman that's playing with the world. 
that wants the world. No, no, I got a good, I got a woman of God. Say praise God. Married to a woman of God, married to a man of God. So the heart of her husband does safely trust in her so that she shall have no, he shall have no need of spoil. One can send a thousand to flight and two can send 10,000 to flight. Ten times the power and ten times the faith with a true woman of God and a true man of God. Hallelujah. So when you choose a wife, men, you better make sure she's a woman of God. That she's not a woman of the world. You, you bury a woman of the world, lady foolishness, and you've got a consumer on your hands. You've got a fuss and fight and quarrelsome woman on your hands that will not live holy. Okay? So understand, when you marry somebody, you marry the right woman because you're fixing to move into the world. She creates. Mom and daddy can't lay the rules anymore. Mom and daddy can give advice. Mom and daddy can help. But you're not in their world anymore. You understand? And if you want to operate a different way, you're going to find a lot of confusion in your house. Are y'all here with me today? Say praise the Lord. Now, God help me. Now I'm fixing a step. I'm fixing. A, I'm fixing to tread what angels feel to tread. All right, but you know I'm not racist. Look, I'm married to a Hispanic woman, and she'll, but she'll tell you the same thing. Okay, Hispanic men are tribal. All right, so you got the papa of the house. He wants to run everybody's household. That's just the way it is, okay? That's, that's that mentality, that tribal mentality. Hallelujah! Once you get married, you leave and you clean. You're no longer tribal, honey. You belong to the kingdom of God. Take advice. Yes, it's good. But when they get old, when they get married, man, listen, parents, you gotta leave them alone. You know, you can help them. You can see where they need help. And if they want advice, I promise you, they'll come and ask you for it. You won't have to just give it to them. <laughs> All right? But let me just bring it to you from a biblical perspective. They're not supposed to obey you once they get married. Because it's not a tribe. Are y'all awake? How many want a house like this? A house that's got order in it. A house where one can send a thousand of light and two can send ten thousand of light. Ten times the power, ten times the faith. Woman of God, woman of man. I mean, man of God. What did I say? Woman of man? Well, that's true too. She came out of him. Don't forget that, women. You came out of him, but then men don't forget you came out of her. <laughs> Before you get too cocky. Say praise the Lord. This is what God wants. The reason why we're having some problems 
So we promise, and I say we, I say promise in general with marriage, it's because things are out of order. Right. Yeah. Hallelujah. So we're gonna try to we're gonna try to by the word of God get this together. Yeah. Say praise the Lord. Thirty five to fifty percent of people that get married end a divorce. The statistics they vary. They don't they're not really actually sure which one. But thirty five to fifty percent of the people that get married get a divorce. And up to 67%, and these are real statistics, 67% of people end up in divorce or separation. And the ones that separate are afraid to get a divorce. That's why they don't get one. So you think about that. 67% of people that get married are either separated or in divorce. That doesn't leave much. So we need to get back to the Word of God. We need to get back to the structure of the Word of God. The man should be what he should be, and the woman should be what she should be, according to the Word of God. We have answers in the Bible. I believe it. So verse 12, then look at verse 12. She will do him good and not evil all the days of her life. Say good, not evil. How many of y'all want to marry an evil woman? You marry an evil woman, she's not going to do you good, man. She's going to do you bad. It's going to be real bad. Right? She'll do him good and not evil all the days of her life. You know what a, a real woman of God does? Okay, i got to be careful because, see, I'm preaching this as a military woman. Soldiers, you're soldiers. And I gotta be careful because I get, get, get that military mindset, man, you know. Get that fighting thing going on. So I gotta be careful. But let me just say this. A true woman of God will compliment her husband. And I mean, that may not be that she's always just saying, oh man, you're the greatest thing on the planet. You know, and just like slobbering on him or whatever. We're not talking about that. <laughs> I mean, you, you ought to really encourage your husband and, and say some nice things about him. It might, might make things better for you. Instead of walking through the door, you tell him, you're the old stupid, you stupid thing. Get in here, you stupid thing. Can't you ever do anything right? Mama, mama told me I married an idiot. I mean, what, what's going to come out of that? I mean, so yeah, it does help if you verbally con compliment them, but this is more than verbal complimenting. A woman of God will compliment her husband. I mean, she adds to him. She makes him better. Hallelujah. Better, not worse, better. Praise the Lord. I, I promise you when I married Sister Christina, and we have d disagreements, she'll tell you we do, but I promise you I got better when I married Sister Christina. She, as Brother Dice used to say, Sister Christina is my better half. <laughs> I mean, we'd be standing together in the front, I'm talking about the front pew, and he'd look at it and he'd say, Brother Carter, you know, Sister Christina is your better half. And I'm going, what about me? <laughs> you know, <laughs> He's, Brother Dice would say, she's better than I am. But it's really the truth. Okay, I know some of you men are walking around real cocky like you think you're better than your wife. But where I, where, where I stand, 
Amen. I think she, she accepted something below her pay grade. But that's the truth, man. A woman of God will make you better. But you find the wrong kind of woman, man. I promise you it's not going to be better. Everybody said praise the Lord. Come on, thank you. Thankful for a good wife. A woman of God that fears God. She's not perfect. But the Bible not one time says this woman's perfect. Nobody's perfect. Everybody comes short of the glory of God. Woman of God, military woman, soldier, do you compliment your husband? Do you make him better? Verse 13, she seeketh wool and flax and worketh willingly with her hands. Say worketh. She's like a merchant ship. She bringeth her food from afar. All right? She rideth also while she at night and giveth her meat to her household and portions to her maidens. She considers a field and buys it with the fruit of her hands and planteth a vineyard. I mean, these verses right here talk about a, a military woman, a woman of God, is a working woman. This woman is a hard working woman. How are you with me here? That's why I say she doesn't have to have a job. She got a full time job at home. And if, come on. Right? The responsibilities of a godly woman, a godly mother. I don't think, I can't do it. I, I, I can't do it. I, I give it, I tip my hat to the woman. I don't, I honestly don't know how you do it. I don't see how you do it. I don't understand how you do it. There's so many things that you gotta take care of, be responsible for. Just amazing. Cleaning house, working hard. Raising the kids, dish, washing dishes. Cooking food. Cleaning clothes, Bishop says. Mowing the lawn too. <laughs> Washing the car. Planting avocado trees and going out there and pulling avocados off the trees and planting the beans, going out there and picking the beans and cooking the beans and making free fried beans. I mean, from seed to the table. That's your woman. Say praise the Lord. Hallelujah. My wife today, I went and bought some avocados the other day, right? And I bought them ripe. And you normally don't buy them ripe at the store, but I did. So they were already starting to get bad. And so she cut it open. She said, don't ever do that again. Look how they're all rotten already. Don't ever buy these again, you know. And I know that. I've heard it before, but I still did it. And so I, she didn't know what I was preaching or not, but I said, if you were a virtuous woman, you would have planted one out there. You would have planted an avocado tree, and then you would have went out there and picked it for me. And then you would have come and you would have peeled it for me. If you were a virtuous woman, what did she say? She was busy mowing along. <laughs> Right. <laughs> That's okay. That's okay.
but I mean, really, seriously, this is true, isn't it? You got a woman to work hard. Ain't nobody can work like a woman of God. See, the Bible says, so really, the opposite of that, you got some women, all they do is lay around. Now, I'm not going to hit you hard. You might be in a situation or in condition, physically, your health, where you can't do a lot. Are you here? So we're not talking about that. But I'm talking about people who have legitimate strength and health in their body. We have a diligent woman here, a hard-working woman, hallelujah, in this passage. The Bible tells she she goes, got these merchant ships, she brings her food from afar. Well, you don't have to, right? You don't have to send out for ships and stuff. But then what does that mean? Is that she's a good shopper. Not only is she a hard worker, but she's a good shopper. Praise the Lord. Maybe she's a coupon clipper. I don't know. But she's a good shopper. Right? My wife is so, so uh, good, such a good shopper. Cheap. She's such a good shopper. There were times I remember she'd drive across town to buy a loaf of bread because it was on sale. And I told her, I said, Sister Christina, it took you $3 to drive to buy a $2 loaf of bread. I said, you should have went and paid full price at 7-Eleven across the street. Remember those conversations? No. We're in the house of God. You better tell the truth. <laughs> yeah. I was the one at the store buying groceries. And anyway, it's a hard worker and a good shopper. She riseth also while it's yet, yet night. I mean, she gets up early in the morning. Early in the morning. And what's she doing? She's preparing food. Okay? Working hard, shopping well. Rising up early, preparing food, so what? Her home, her family's fed well. They're fed well. Say praise God. Fed well. You got, does your wife feed you well? Does she get up early in the morning before, before you get up? She's in there cooking eggs and biscuits and gravy and chicken fried steak. Bacon. That's all the way. <laughs> oh, is it like this? Box of cereal, bottle of milk. There's your breakfast, hon. I'm going back to bed. It's a good kind. It's a protein cereal, brother. I, I, I shopped well for you. I got protein puffins. I know about protein puffins. It's pretty good. It's, it's got all kinds of fruit flavors in it. You know, man, it really does taste good. I'm not, well, I'm not putting you down. I'm just saying I know it's really good. <laughs> so you sister, just go, just go to the natural food stores and get you the protein puffins and tell them, here you go, man, this is perfect. It's got 15, 8, 10 grams of protein. You're set for the gym. Hallelujah. Go for it. 
Get free work out there, brother. But anyway, a virtuous woman. I mean, these are not iron, like put you in an iron shackles or anything. It's just, just suggestive. Amen. But I'll be honest with you, I don't mind cooking. I really don't. Because I, I have certain ways, you know, that I cook and certain things I like to eat. And Praise the Lord. And so I don't, Sister Christina, I tell you, I don't mind cooking. I like to cook for her. So this is not like chains, right? I don't expect my wife to get up at four in the morning and cook for me. I don't, honestly. <laughs> I got her out there mowing the yard. That's what she's saying. It's okay. I don't know. I just have a certain, certain, like a certain, what you might call it, a diet or whatever, nutrition that I eat. So I don't mind. Amen. But the main thing is that they're fed well. And I don't see anybody here skin and bones. So I, I think we're all looking pretty good. I know Brother Andrew's doing good. He, yeah, you've been married about a year, brother? Almost. Not even a year, man. I know you've gained about 30 pounds. Man, I told him, I said, Angelica's got put all kinds of stuff in your bison. Yeah, I said, you, she, you don't even know what's in there. I said, because you're putting all kinds of bodybuilding stuff in there. And, and he was drinking water the other day in the prayer room. And I went over there and tapped him on the shoulder. I said, brother, she's got some stuff that you can't even see it. And she puts it in the water. And I said, you don't even know it. But she put something in that water, brother. I'm telling you. Have you ever noticed that what happened to some of these young men? Remember Moses, how skinny he used to be? How it used to be. You remember how skinny he used to be? Yeah. I do too. Something just happens. You get married, you found a good woman, a godly woman, man. They put some meat on your bones, dude. Good thing, man. Verse 16, look at it. She considereth a field and buyeth it. With the fruit of her hands she planteth a vineyard. Now, this woman, not only does she work hard, not only does she uh, prepare food, but she's an investor. She knows how to invest money. Now that's rare, isn't it? That you got a woman who knows how to invest money. This woman knows how to invest money. She'll go, she'll buy, she see a field, she buys it. She invests in the field, right? With the fruit of her hands, she plants, then she plants a vineyard. This woman is industrious. Hold on, listen. This shows me something, which I've always known. You know, I mean, it's not some new revelation, but this shows me that she's not locked up in her house. And just working at home. She's out there working outside of the house. She's investing. She's buying. She's planting. This is industry, industrial. She's industrious outside of the home. Now, if you can do that, if you can take care of your home, take care of your kids, take care of everything we've already talked about, and go out there and invest and be industrious, more power to you, man. Are you here? 
Maybe she's got it going on on every level, man. She's, I will say this, she's even working outside the house. Praise the Lord. Verse 17. She girded her loins with strength. We go back to this military picture of this woman of God. Girds her loins with strength and strengthen her arms. She, man, she's a strong woman of God. She's not weak. Man, her legs are strong. Her arms are strong. Hallelujah. She's, a, she's strong in God. Amen. If you want to just speak about it from a spiritual angle, that she's strong in God. The strength of her strength is from the Lord. How can this woman do all of these things that she's doing? If she doesn't have God as her strength. She's, she's looking to God to be her strength. Strong arms, strong loins, man. You know what the Bible says? The joy of the Lord is your strength. Everybody with me here today? Man, some of us, see, we're real complicated people. And, and a lot, we, we fight a lot of things in life. A lot of pressures. A lot of things come against the home. A lot of difficulties. Sometimes even depression. A lot of things. One, one in four people in the church, one in four church-going people suffer from diagnosable mental disorders. One in four. Man, I'm going to tell you something, brothers and sisters. You've got to have God to overcome a lot. You understand what I'm telling you? And the joy of the Lord is your strength. Man, not just women, men too, man. We all deal with stuff. I'm telling you, I do. Okay, I, don't, I'm not, I hope I don't have, you know, a diagnosable mental disorder. You know, I really hope I don't. But I'm telling you, man, I struggle sometimes with myself. Woo, hallelujah. But I look to God. The joy of the Lord is my strength. Man, the old enemy attack you, attack your home. I told you, it's not just the pressures of life that's trying to steal your love. Satan hates anything that God values. And God values your home. Monica, God values a woman of God. And those babies that you're raising in the church, God values that. But, but know this, the devil's going to come after your house. Satan would hit anything that, that God values. And you got to fight that oppression and discouragement and heaviness and darkness and get the joy of the Lord is my strength. I'm girding my loins with strength and I'm strengthening my arms, says the woman of God. She's a military woman. Hallelujah. And she knows how to find joy. And it's in the Lord. The joy of the Lord is my strength. Now remember, this goes for men too. Some of you need the joy of the Lord. To, to fight off that depression. To fight off that, all that darkness that tries to get a hold of you. It's a fight. How many of the joy of the Lord is your strength? 
joy of the Lord is my strength. The joy of the Lord is your strength. Your love for God is your strength. That's what he preached. He preached Sunday night. What'd you call it? The embrace wrapped in the arms of God. The arms of God. The love of God. God knows who I am. God knows my future. Brothers and sisters, God's not worried about your future. If you're sitting around worried about your future, God's not worried about your future. He knows your future and He knows your fears. He knows you. You've got the presence of God. If you have the presence of God, you have everything you need to make it in this life. He knows my future. He's not worried about my future. He knows my fears. And as long as I have the presence of God, I'm not afraid. Let me just tell you this. Children are not afraid of the dark. Children are afraid of being left alone in the dark. As long as somebody's with them there in the dark, they're not afraid of the dark. And as long as God is with you, and you know the presence of God is with you, you're not afraid of anything. You're not afraid of the future. You're not because God is present with me. The joy of the Lord is my strength, and I love my God. So I'm not worried. I'm not going to worry about the future. I'm not going to sit around and be afraid. I'm going to trust God. This is that woman of God. She's confident. She's strong. Sister Monica, she was, when she first got in the church, she'd have to kind of fill in the, between the lines for him. But I believe that where you were living, weren't they going to, you were going to have to move? And what did you do? It changed all that. Got in the church, number one. <laughs> okay. Got in the church. What else? Called to see if they'd lowered the rent. And what else? What happened? They lowered it, and you didn't have to move. Okay. So you got in the church and lived for the Lord, right? What else? Is there more to the story? Yeah. Rent was going up. Yeah, yeah. It was going up because of the oil field, right? Did they actually lower it for you? See, I mean, sh trusting God. Trusting God. Living for the Lord. Okay? And, and I'm not saying this to get anything out of you, but she brings her tithe. You know, and she trusts God. And she lives for the Lord. Amen? She didn't have to move. They lowered the rent, man. That's God. God's not worried about your future. He knows the plans that He has. He knows the thoughts that He has towards you. Thoughts of good and not evil. God's planning good things for you, not evil things. If He's planning good things for you, He's not worried about your future. If He's present with you, you don't have to be afraid. God is with us. 
Sometimes fear try to get a hold of you, but you're a warrior. You're a warrior woman of God. I'm going to fight through this depression. Fight through this discouragement. But I believe my God. Verse 18. She perceiveth that her merchandise is good. Her candle goeth not out by night. It goes out. You know what she's doing then? If her candle's not going out by night, what is she doing? She's planning for the future. She's planning for the future. I mean, she's done everything she possibly can for this day. If she's up at night, she's thinking about tomorrow. Whew, hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Give God a hand clap of praise. She, verse 19, she lays her hand to the spindle and her hands hold the distaff. You know, it almost sounds like she's sewing, right? Well, maybe she is. But in this culture, you need to understand, in this culture, these emblems right here, the spindle, you with me? And the distaff are a picture of a woman in war. Amen? In fact, are y'all with me here? In that culture, there were certain representations of war. Okay? And we don't believe in the goddesses of war or any of that foolishness. But there were representations of war. And the goddess of war, Annette, had these symbols in her hand. Now you need to understand something, okay? When you go into a culture, if you start a church in America, you don't try to make it a Chinese church. You hear what I'm telling you? You go to Zambia, you don't try to make the church in Zambia an American church. You let that church be the church in its culture. And you accept the good that's in that culture. In that church. But at the same time, resist the idolatry that's in that culture and know where to draw the line and say, this can't come in our church because this has been twisted by demon powers. But if it hasn't been twisted by demon powers and there's something good about that culture, you let those people live in that culture as Christians. Hallelujah. Say praise the Lord. And in the culture of these people in the Middle East, the Canaanites, they understood, just so you'll understand, I'm not promoting idolatry, but they understood these symbols mean this woman of God is a warrior. She's a fighter. Are you here with me today? Now don't be too critical of me. I'm just going to call you this. Little G, goddess warrior. You are a goddess warrior. Little G, don't get offended by that. That doesn't offend God. I'm telling you, that's the kind of mentality that you have to have. That I've got these symbols in my hand and I'm going to fight the good fight of faith. And you don't have to agree or accept. You don't have to agree or accept the picture. But I'm just telling you that the picture is there in the background. Because when these people wrote the Proverbs, there was all kinds of Proverbs in their culture. Are y'all with me? And a lot of that came right out of their culture. Are y'all here? Hallelujah. So woman of God, you got the emblems of battle in your hands. And the emblems of battle happen to be sewing needle. <laughs> and of the staff. You didn't realize when you were sewing that you were doing warfare, did you? Yeah, you did when you picked, pricked your hand. Put the needle through your finger. Okay. 
How many warriors do I have here? So she's taking care of her house. She's taking care of her family. But it doesn't stop there. She goes outside and she ministers to the poor. She stretches out her hand to the poor. Yea, she reaches forth her hands to the needies. To the needy. She's a generous woman. This woman of God takes care of her home, her family, and takes care of other people because she's generous. The Bible says she's not afraid of snow for her household. For all her household are clothed with scarlet. Again, she's prepared. This woman of God is prepared. The snow comes. She's not over there trying to get everything ready. It's already done. She is prepared, hallelujah, for the needs of her home. For all her household are clothed with what? Scarlet. She's ready for the future. I'm preaching to women of God here. You're ready for the future. You're prepared for the future. And so this woman of God here, the Bible says the clothed with scarlet. Amen. Spiritually speaking, this speaks of the righteousness of Jesus Christ because scarlet comes from a Hebrew word tola, which means the red worm, the crimson red worm. That little red worm, that grub worm, the red grub worm taken from the earth. Adam was called Adam because he was red all over. Are y'all with me? So the red Adam who brought sin into the world. The Bible says the red worm taken from the ground, the grub worm, the tola, is crushed and a, a crimson-like blood comes out of the female coccus or the red worm. And they take that dye of that red worm, that coccus worm, and they use it to make red or scarlet colored clothing. Are y'all here today? Jesus Christ, Psalm 22 and verse 6 says, Jesus said, while he's hanging on the cross, I'm a worm and no man. He was saying, I'm the Tola. I am that red worm that's crushed. And when that crushing takes place, his blood flows so that forgiveness can be given to mankind. The red Adam receives the red blood of Jesus and allows you to be cleansed of sin and forgiven of sin and clothed with scarlet. And so when the Bible says she is not worried about the snow because she has her home, her family clothed in Tola means she's got them covered in the blood of Jesus. She has them covered in the righteousness of God. Hallelujah. Now how can you have a part in that? You sent them and taught them to be baptized in water in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. And when they went down and water in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, the blood was applied to their life. Acts 5, 28, and washed away their sins. But you as a mother trained them and taught them about the Savior, Jesus Christ, and what He did on the cross and how to apply that to their life in water baptism and the infilling of the Holy Ghost. And so now when you look at your children, you know, my child, they're baptized in Jesus' name. They're covered in the blood. They're covered in the righteousness of Jesus Christ, my Savior. Clothed with scarlet, she maketh herself coverings of tapestry. Her clothing is silk 
and purple. Silk and purple, beautiful things. Silk. Silk and purple. But spiritually speaking, what is silk? Silk comes from the silkworm. And it's, it's like, it, it's how they make white linen. So when it talks about here in the Word of God, how that she is clothed, her clothing is silk and purple speaks of the righteousness again of Christ, the righteousness of Jesus Christ, white linen, pure. The purple speaks of royalty. Purple was the most expensive, most valuable dye in the world at that time. If you had purple clothing, you were a high-ranking official. Hallelujah. Say praise God. Do you get this? This woman's not poverty-stricken. This woman is a high-ranking official. Man, her clothing made out of silk, and it's got purple color, the color of royalty, the color of kings. Hallelujah. Say praise the Lord. She's got the white, spiritually speaking, the righteousness of Jesus Christ. The purple speaks of the blood, the royalty of the King of Kings and Lord of Lords. Purple, the color purple is made up of two colors. Scarlet, the blood, and blue. Blue. When you looked at Jesus Christ, He was purple. He was the man and the Lord from heaven in a dual nature. The scarlet, the one who died on the cross, and the blue, the Lord from heaven. He combined those two natures in one, Jesus Christ, and when He did, the scarlet and the blue produced the purple. King of kings and Lord of lords. Say praise God. Blue, what are the colors of purple? Blue is a dye that comes from a shellfish. That dye from the shellfish, that shellfish disappeared from this world for 2,000 years. And it wasn't until recently that this shellfish that produces this dye appeared in the land of Israel. Now, what I'm about to tell you, this came directly out of the mouth of Siluary, who's gone on to be with the Lord. How many of remember Sister Celia? There's a picture of her back there. She used to travel but before she got in the church here. She was really into the Messianic roots and Jewish roots uh, movement. And she traveled many, many times over into Israel. And she said out of her mouth to me, she said, she asked a, a merchant there in Israel uh, this very thing. And that merchant told her that that shellfish that produced the blue dye had vanished for 2,000 years. And it has recently reappeared in Israel. And out of his mouth he said, that is a sign of the coming of the Messiah. You're living in the age right now of the coming of the Messiah. And a shellfish from Israel that disappeared 2,000 years ago is now back in the land telling you that Jesus Christ is about to return. This woman, if she's a type of a woman of God, she's also a picture of the church. You clothed in scarlet. 
You're clothed in white and you're clothed in purple. In the name of Jesus. Say praise the Lord. Verse 23, her husband is known in the gates when he sitteth among the elders in the land. This means that her husband is able to be a leader in the community because she has her stuff together. Let me tell you something, brothers and sisters. Very hard to be a leader of anything if your house is not together. You hear what I'm telling you? But because the house is together, because that woman has got things in order at home, that man can go and sit in the gates. And she's probably over there screaming and hollering, you know, I work so hard. Is this all the thanks I get? Here you go get to sit out there in the gate of the city acting like a big shot. Oh, thanks I get. No, the Bible says she does it with joy. She doesn't sit around and talk about this and thanks I get. She does it with joy. I'll get to that in a minute. Amen. How many of you want your husband to succeed? Yeah, you better. You want him to fail? I don't want him to fail. You want him to succeed. Well, if you do your part, guess what? He may be a leader in the community. Behind every strong man is a strong woman. You with me? Behind every leader, there's, there's got to be a strong woman somewhere in the scene, somewhere. Hallelujah. So you see Brother Dice preach, and then I look at Sister Dice. Sister Dice hardly ever said one word. We go to their house, Sister Dice sit there quiet, and every once in a while, she'd just say a few words, wouldn't she, Sister Christina? Hardly ever even talked. But behind every strong man, there's a strong woman of God. And Sister Dice was a strong woman of God. And I look at Brother Edmonds. Strong man of God. And I see him, I look at Sister Edmonds. You with me? I'm telling you. Behind every true man of God, there's a true woman of God. And if it's not working at home, it's not going to work in the community. You know what I'm saying? That's why it's important. Say praise the Lord. Hallelujah. You want your husband always coming home all tore up all the time? Tore up when he leaves? Tore up when he gets home? No, you don't. I know you don't. The Bible says in verse 24, She maketh fine linen and selleth it, and delivereth girdles unto the merchants. See, she's what does she do? She's making. That means she, again, she's preparing for the future. Amen. Doesn't look like she's worried about the future to me. Looks like she's preparing for the future. Right? Look at Proverbs 16 as I come to a close. Verse 1, The preparation of the heart in man, the answer of the tongue is from the Lord. All the ways of man are clean in his own eyes, but the Lord weigheth the Spirit. Commit thy works unto the Lord, and thy thoughts shall be established. That's a woman of God. She knows, as this first part of chapter 16 tells you, you've got to be preparing. And she does that. But the woman of God also knows, because God is in control of the future, that He can change it if He wants to. And He can change it. So she puts her confidence in the God who knows where she is, who she is, and is in control of the future. Strength and honor her clothing. She shall rejoice in times to come. You know what that literally means? She laughs at the future. The only reason why she can laugh at the future is because she's prepared for it and because she knows the God that's in charge of the future. 
And she doesn't sit around worrying all day long about the future. I'm going to prepare for it. And God, I'm going to trust you. And I know you're in control of the future. And if you want to change it, then you'll change it. And I'm willing to accept the change that you bring. But I'm not going to worry about it. Because God don't worry about it. Hallelujah. You see this woman? I want to ask you a question. The Bible says she laughs at the future. You see her sitting around here worried. What am I going to do? Oh, I don't know what I'm going to do. Oh. You see her? She's not acting like that. No, she's confident. Why? Because she's walking with God. And she knows God is in control of everything. And God's not worried about what I'm worried about. If God's not worried about it, and He's in control of it, why should I worry about it? Take no thought. Jesus said, take no thought for tomorrow. Evil is sufficient for the day thereof. That means you get up day by day and you face the problems in life you need to face by the strength and help of God. Don't sit around, plan for the future, but don't sit around worrying about it because you can't change it. You can prepare for it. You're not supposed to sit around and worrying about it all the time. Amen. I'm going to trust God. Prepare and trust. She opened up her mouth with wisdom and in her tongue is the law of kindness. Her speech is a speech of grace. Remember, oh, remember the quarrelsome prostitute we, we read about? Quarrelsome prostitute. She's loud now, screaming, quarreling all the time. That's not the woman of God. Amen. And I'm going to say this to you so you understand. It's not saying you can't disagree with your husband. You need to disagree with him sometimes. Okay? But your spirit's going to be right. You have a heart. You speak, you're not going to cuss him out. <laughs> right? Normally ones that say amen rights the ones that you've been acting up, Connie? You've been good, girl. But what are you saying when you mow that lawn? <laughs> when I talk about speaking, you know, graciously, Connie goes, Amen. <laughs> Means he got her feet up in the air. <laughs> Praise the Lord. How many of y'all have gracious speech? Okay. Uh, this is a noble woman, okay? That's right here. Everybody right here, this is a noble woman. Okay. I know how it used to be when you were in the world. Right, Brother Raul? Yes, sir. Sister Nahara? Don't even talk about it. No. <laughs> it's a long time ago, right? God changes us. Huh? Amen. It's beautiful. How many of y'all have gracious speech? Now lift your hand. Good. That's good. Yeah. By faith. Lift it by faith. By faith. 
She opened her mouth with wisdom. What comes out of her mouth is wisdom. Amen? The tongue is the law of kindness. It's really important. It's really important. Amen? The way that a woman speaks to her husband, speaks to a man. Praise God. Amen? She looketh well to the ways of her household and, and eateth not the bread of idleness. Now, that can, how can that go together? The bread of idleness. How can you eat the bread of idleness? When if you're idle and you're not busy, you're not working hard, normally you don't have nothing to eat. Well, he's saying basically, she, he's, he's saying she's not an idle woman. She's a very busy woman. This, this woman of God. Amen. She, verse, first part, she looks well to the ways of her household. How many of y'all know tonight, if you look well to the household, the ways of your household, then you're going to be a homemaker. What God's teaching us in the Bible here in His Word, this is not your pastor, this is the Word of God. I'm just a messenger, okay? We're all trying to get there. But you're either a homebreaker or you're a homemaker. Amen? So I thank God it is an honor to stand and preach, uh, preach to the women of God in this church who build their home, who make their home, and not tear it down. Because you have the power to do both. You can tear it down, you can destroy it, or you can build it. Be a homemaker like this woman of God. She looks well to the ways of her household. Verse 28, Her children rise up and call her blessed. Her husband also, and he praises her. Do you praise her? When's the last time you kids or whatever, adults, whoever, you praised your mother or you praised your wife? When's the last time? It's important for you to praise your wife. It's important to teach your children to respect their mom. You with me? If you're... If you're if you husbands or your children start going at your wife and they're disrespectful to your wife, you shouldn't let that happen. You should step right in the middle of that and tell your children, you're not going to be disrespectful to your mother. You hear what? Man, I'm, the Holy Ghost is talking right now. You shouldn't let that happen. Step in. You say you're going to respect your mother and you're going to talk to your mother with respect and you're not going to talk to your mom. You're not going to back talk her like that. You're not going to say things like that to your mother. Hallelujah. Say amen. amen. You're going to respect her. You're going to talk right to her. Hallelujah. Say amen. amen. Do you know, husbands, if you and I allow that to happen, if I allow my children to disrespect my wife with their tongue, then I'm actually allowing my home to be undermined. Because you cannot let your children tear your wife down and it not undermine your authority. So you have to you have to stand up for your wife. You say, speak to your, your your children, tell them, now that's your mama you're speaking to. And not only that, but that's my wife. <laughs> I know that's your, I know that's your your wife, mom, but that's my wife, and you're not going to talk to my wife like that. You know, understand? 
So your children should, I mean, obviously we're talking about a noble woman, a godly woman. And if she is, she deserves to be praised. Amen. We as husbands need to praise our wives. We need to compliment them. Tell them thank you. Say, well, I appreciate you. Appreciate everything you do. You know, don't take them for granted. You need to tell them thank you. Thank you for being a good wife. Thank you for preparing that meal. Thank you for taking care of my kids. Thank you for cleaning the house. Thank you. You understand? Love them. Well, somebody said, well, they don't, she don't deserve it. How are you going to clean the dirty water? If she's dirty, how are you going to clean it? By pointing out the dirt? You don't, you don't clean the dirty water by pointing out the dirt. You can't clean dirty water by pointing out the dirt. That's what all, only some people do. That's all they do is point out the dirt. It'll never clean up. So what you're going to do is you're going to, you're going to love your wife. You're going to tell her that you appreciate her. You're going to praise her. Hallelujah. And your children should do the same thing. And people should do the same thing. Amen. Dirty water, brother and sister, is going to be dirty. But you know what? So clean water is going to be clean. Right? You, you know what you do? You don't ask a fish about water. You don't ask a fish about water. You know why? Because the fish is used to it. If it's swimming around in muck and mire and dirt, and you, you know, hey, how's the water? Well, it's fine. You're swimming in the dirt. You don't ask a fish about water because they're in that environment. You don't ask an American about America. Do you know what I said? Don't ask an American about America. We live in America. We swim in the dirt. We get used to it. That's the problem with church in America. We're sitting right in the dirt. And if we're not careful, we'll get used to the dirt. Don't ask an American about America. Ask somebody else outside of America about America. If you want to. Don't ask the Canadian about Canada. They live right in Canada. They live right in the environment. Amen? You go over there and all you do is you point out the dirt. It's not going to clean up. Why? They're used to being there. No, you start talking to them and say encouraging words. Strengthen. I need to work on this myself, honey, Sister Christina. Don't, but I think I really do, do a good job, don't I? I mean, I'm, I'm asking, I'm doing this, hoping, I'm hoping. Amen. But it, but it will be helpful. If you want some things to straighten up, be cleaner, be better, then start complimenting her, praising her. Love her. Hallelujah. Love her. Amen. Say, praise God. But she won't let me love her. Love her anyway. <laughs> Her children rise up, call her blessed. Her husband also, and he praises her. 
question for you. Nobody, I didn't get no answer. Yeah, I did. I guess I did. How many of y'all praise your wife? Good, brother. Good, brother. Brother? Do you praise your wife? Huh? Here and there? Well, you got a chance to repent. Look at her and tell her how, much she, how great she is. Look at her and tell her how great she is. See? You did. When I asked that question, you had about 30 seconds to look and say, yeah, you're awesome. Hey, I got it. <laughs> yeah. You know we're coming back to it, man. How many of y'all over here praise your wife? Good, man. That's awesome. That's awesome. Where's Mark? There he is, brother Mark. How are you, brother? What are you looking over there for? <laughs> How are y'all over here praise your wife? Brother Mark? Brother Mark? <laughs> just shout over to Sister Sonia. Just tell her I love you. <laughs> Good job, brother. Amen. How many over here? Okay, we got any married people over here? Yeah, okay. Brother David, you praise sister? Yeah, sometimes. Sometimes. Brother, you praise your wife? Yeah, you praise your wife. Bishop, you praise your wife? All the time, man. It's good. Hey, brother Thurman, you praise your wife, Sister Lori? Man, that's awesome. Brother Jared? Yeah, yeah. Man, I tell you what makes a difference, doesn't it? That's what the Bible says. We got some good women. We got some awesome women of God in this church. They're awesome. I mean, they, they live up to these things. And this is not all the characteristics of a virtuous woman, but they live up to a lot of them. They deserve to be praised. Hallelujah. Encouraged. Amen. Many daughters have, have, done, have done virtuously, but thou excellest them all. Right? And she does it. What's amazing to me is that she does it with joy. You with me? Isn't it amazing? Verse 25, she rejoices at the time to come. I mean, she rejoices at the future. She's joyful, man. And some women, they do a lot. They do a lot. I'm not criticizing them. They do a lot, but they complain the whole time they do it. <laughs> but not this woman. Hallelujah. She's happy. Man, she's cooking scrambled eggs at 3 in the morning. Hey! <laughs> Washing dishes. Jesus, thank you, Jesus. I'm so happy. I'm so happy. <laughs> that's not reality is it <laughs> okay favor okay verse 30 favor is deceitful and beauty is vain but a woman that feareth the Lord she shall be praised now I think one time before we talked about the, the jewel and the snout of the pig Right? That's in Proverbs 11. <laughs> so, so beauty, a woman who doesn't have discretion that's beautiful. Right? A woman that doesn't have discretion 
It's beautiful. It's like a pig with a big old diamond in its nose. Just don't go together. It doesn't go together. So the Bible is telling us here that really reiterates that favor is deceitful, beauty is vain, but a woman that feareth the Lord, she shall be praised. Now let me say this. This verse does not speak against beauty. Amen. There's other places in the book of Proverbs that talk about how important it is for you as a wife to be attractive to your husband. That it will help with fidelity. Okay? So don't read this first saying, now I can be as ugly as I, and you still got to love me, boy. Because that Proverb 31 says, <laughs> good form, a good form and beauty is vain. So I'm going to let myself go in the area of form and I don't care what I look like. No. You're reading into that Scripture something that's not there. Okay? There's nothing wrong with beauty. There's nothing wrong with you making yourself attractive. Just don't go against the Bible when you do that. Okay? Everybody with me? Alright? Praise the Lord. Y'all okay? But if you want long-term respect, you know, it, it doesn't go together. It's a beautiful woman. A woman doesn't have wisdom. Beautiful woman that doesn't live for God, doesn't serve God. It's ugly. A woman can have physical, a physical form, the Bible talking about it here, and physical beauty. But if she doesn't have God, it's ugly. Right? And there's nothing wrong with natural beauty. But what deserves long-term respect is that she fears God Almighty. And God will beautify the meek with salvation. So I will tell you, are you with me? That holiness is not ugliness. Make yourself as beautiful as you can without artificial means. Are y'all awake? Okay? Make yourself as, 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 as attractive as you possibly can your God-given talents and abilities, right? But the most important thing is this long-term is that you fear God. Amen? As long as you fear God. See, God will make you beautiful. He'll make you beautiful. Hallelujah. <laughs> what are you laughing about, Connie? Is everybody with me? So I just want to be real clear. Okay? So I don't want you to think that we're trying to make you women ugly. It's not the case. They just want us to be ugly. They're trying to just trying to take us back into the fifties. <laughs> they need to get modern, you know. Come on, man. We're not trying to take you back to the fifties. Amen. Okay. But you fear God, man. I tell you what, that's the most important thing. Because the inward, the inward's more important than the outward. It will. It, it outdoes it. So men, hallelujah, or young men, 
If you're looking for a woman, don't just look at her outward appearance. There's a lot, there's a lot to look at, look at out there, form and beauty. But don't just look at that. What you want, according to the book of Proverbs, is you want a woman that fears God. You want, you want a woman that loves God. Hallelujah. And if you get that, if you get a woman that loves God and fears God, and she's beautiful and has beautiful and, and great form, man, you doubly blessed. All right? Yeah, act like you don't even care. Well, I don't care. I'm a man of God. I don't care. I don't care what she looks like. She can look like a... don't matter to me. <laughs> okay, whatever. Whatever, whatever, whatever. I got one question for you, though. What if you were called into the ministry and you were a young man called into the ministry and you had a choice? between a really beautiful, in the face, beautiful face and beautiful formed woman, but she couldn't sing a lick. You were called in the ministry and there was another woman. She wasn't as pretty in the face and as pretty in form, but she could sing like an angel. Which one would you pick if you're an evangelist? Well, of course you would pick the one that can sing. Every time. In case you don't know it, that's a true story. <laughs> Not with me. But there was a preacher. He had to make a decision. Between a beautiful girl and one that wasn't quite so beautiful but could really sing. And you know which one he chose? The one that could sing. <laughs> the one that would be a blessing to his ministry, man. You know. Okay. Oh, is that what was that what it was, Christina? That's right. That's right. Was that the whole story? Did it did did he remember the other one and then sometimes look at her and say, oh yeah, yeah. So I think, yeah, she's helping remember the whole story. So sometimes I guess he would remember the, the one he, had, he could have had, the real pretty one, and then he'd look at the one he married and he would, always, he would tell her, sing, baby, sing. Micah, I'm sorry. I know this is really painful for you to hear these old old men jokes, you know, old people jokes. She's over there like... <laughs> Poor Micah. But I, that's a true story. And I don't know about the one about sing, baby, sing, or sing, more, sing, or whatever. That might be... That's a, is that a true story? No, <laughs> you don't know. You just heard it? Okay. Hallelujah. But I'm just saying, which one would you pick? Huh? You'd pick the pretty one? Uh, yeah, you? Sing, baby, sing. Uh, I wasn't talking about you, Monica. 
<laughs> so, you can, she, she says she's pretty and can sing, brother. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> Woo! Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Okay? Verse 31. Give, give, now notice, this woman of God is a woman, uh, she's a no woman because she has fears God. Give her of the fruit of her hands and let her own works praise her in the gates. Eventually she will be in glory in the gates of heaven and receive eternal reward. That's the ultimate goal. And in closing, I want you to turn to Ruth chapter 11 and verse, uh, verse chapter 3, verse 11. And I'll give you an actual example in the Bible that you can study for yourself if you want to know a, a, a woman of God that fits this description. Ruth chapter 3, verse 11. Hey there. Go ahead and stand, please. Okay. Okay, Ruth chapter 3, verse 11. Okay, Boaz looks at Ruth. All right, there. 3.11 And now, my daughter, fear not. I will do thee all that thou requirest. For all the city of my people doth know that thou art a what? Virtuous woman. That's what Boaz said about Ruth. If you want an example in the Bible, read the story of Ruth. Let me just tell you, brothers and sisters, when he said that, she was not a woman of economic value. She didn't have a lot. But Boaz said, you're a virtuous woman. She's a perfect example of what Proverbs 31 is telling us. She is a ha'il, ha'il eset, a virtuous woman. She was a warrior, soldier, woman of God. And these are the characteristics that the Bible gives us for that kind of a woman. And I thank God I am married to Sister Christina she tries with everything in her to be that woman. And she is a blessing to my life. She is a blessing to my children. And she's a blessing to the kingdom of the living God. Amen. So I ask God's blessing to rest upon each and every one of you. Thank you for being in the house of God tonight. As we come to, the conclude, to a close of the book of Proverbs. And I, I know that you've been blessed by it. It's... The book of Proverbs goes against the world that we live in. It goes against the culture. It goes against the ideology and the philosophy of it. But if we live by it, we'll be pleasing to the Lord, men and women. So may the Lord bless you real good. If you're a man looking for a wife, make sure you marry a woman like that. Okay? I love you. Father, we just ask your blessing to rest upon each and every individual tonight in this house. We thank you, Lord God, for your presence 
among us. Continue to strengthen and help the women of God in this church to be faithful to you, to live up to that example, God. And I know that you'll strengthen their hands. They'll continue to be soldiers and warriors for their family, for their children, for the church of the living God. And we give you all thanks for them. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen. God bless you. You're dismissed in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Thank you for being in church tonight.